Welcome to a Sunny Side Up Life podcast, a show for the woman who is ready to live an abundant life full of freedom and positivity. I'm Sammy Womack, and I'm on a mission to help you break free from survival mode, gain financial freedom, stay motivated, and focus on what matters most. Join the movement, and let's start living on the brighter side of life together. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode. As we are wrapping up March, we are going to finish out the month with something special and intentional for Women's Month. And in today's episode, we are going to be talking about the importance of financial literacy for women. And I am also going to share with you some great accounts for you guys to follow if you would like some money advice specifically from women. So first of all, Okay. The importance of financial literacy for women and the importance of having a pro woman mindset. Okay. And I say that because I know that the word feminist is a kind of a trigger word for a lot of people. And I think that that word has gotten misused used in a negative way and all of that. Um, But to me, a financial feminist is someone who doesn't necessarily want to take resources away from men. It doesn't mean that we hate men. (laughs) It doesn't mean that we don't have a lot of great men in our lives that we love and appreciate. Um, And it doesn't mean that we necessarily want to take over the world and want no men to ever be in power. It just means that we want equality. You know, it means that we want a seat at the table where we feel like we should have had a seat all along. It means that we want the same opportunities to build wealth um, as, as the men, right? And we want the rights and the protections that a lot of men have. And we want the access to the education. We want the same pay, right? (laughs) All these things. And yeah, that's not true for everyone. There are a lot of industries that are, are being diversified that have just as many women as they have men that have, you know, equal opportunities and equal pay and all of this stuff. And that's fantastic. But statistics show us that it's not the case for everyone. And it's not the case for every industry. And so there's still a lot of work to be done, okay? So the conversation is not over, although we have come so far, obviously. Like, did you know, for example, a woman couldn't get a credit card without her husband until 1974? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And even for me personally, I don't know if you guys know that much about my debt-free story, but... Part of my story was that I bought a piece of raw commercial land and I planned to build a business on it. My business ended up not working out and so I closed the business and then I had the land and so I ended up reselling it as part of our debt-free journey. Okay, so I was able to buy the land by myself without my husband's signature anywhere, but... I could not sell the land without him being there, even though he wasn't on the land at all. Like it had nothing to do with him. 
It was completely me. I paid for it by myself, all the things. I couldn't sell it without him. I was livid. I mean, and, and we share money. And it wasn't even about that. It was just the principle <laughs> of the matter. It was the fact that I bought it. It was for me, for my business. I paid for it by myself, all the things. His name was not on it at all, but I he had to be present for me to sell it. And then the paperwork said something to the effect of wife of whatever. I don't know. It, the way it was worded, it was terrible. I was so upset, but he went, he did the closing with me and all of that. But that was like, I don't know, five, no, maybe seven years ago. That wasn't that long ago. So anyway, we have come a long way, but there are still, there's still work to be done is my point. And I think part of that work is with continuing the conversation, right? And it's also about continuing to educate our children, not just our girls, our boys as well. And that about all of the different issues and making sure that both boys and girls get a financial literacy education as they're growing up. You know, it's not just a either or conversation. It's both, you know, both, both need the education. Both need to be taught how to earn money, save, spend, invest, all of the things, okay? We can't expect one way or the other because also I've seen more and more women taking control of the family, the household money, which is fantastic, right? But that doesn't mean that the men don't need the education just because the women have it, right? That defeats the purpose. We need the equality. We all need to be educated in what we're doing. It needs to be a partnership and all of those things. So, that's kind of where I stand on all of that. Um, so yeah, the the importance I think of educating our kids also is so important with them growing up, knowing that this is just a normal part of life. Earning money, saving, investing, budgeting, all of these things are just a normal part of life. It's not something that you just wake up, oh, at 18, now you get to know all of this stuff. No, it's we have to exemplify it for them. We have to talk it out with them as we are going through this. So for us, for example, that means to the best of our ability, to the best of the maturity level of our kids, we try to explain to them what a budget is, why we're doing a budget, why we have to sometimes wait until next week to buy something because, hey, it's not in the budget right now right? We have to wait until another payday, till we have a fresh grocery budget, until we can get more cookies. Put it in terms that they understand. And just, it just becomes a, a natural part of their lifestyle and the conversation, right? And we have to have that conversation with our girls and our boys. As well as explaining to them the importance of saving, the importance of waiting, being patient. That is something that we have definitely had to explain to our girls as right now we're saving money to build our future house and they don't understand why it's taking so long. And I'm like, look, you know, we only make so much money <laughs> and we only, we have even a smaller percentage of that left over to save. So this is, you know, this is how much the house is going to cost. This is how much we have to save and they might not fully understand it, but it gets in their subconscious and then it just becomes a subconscious memory of their childhood. This is just how life is, right? 
we have money conversations. We are, you know, they are expected to save and invest and all of these things. Um, and I think another part of that conversation is also the collaboration versus competition aspect. And I think also teaching our young girls and teaching ourselves as well, that collaboration is so much more powerful with other women than competition. And I feel like also our generation is getting a lot better, but I don't know about you, but as I was growing up, I saw so much more competition and like cattiness between women in my mom's generation, my grandma's generation of just like criticizing women for how they look, how they dress. Oh, she shouldn't be doing that. Oh, look at her. You know, all of these negative things. And I feel like our generation is getting better and better about that. But that's through intentionality. That's through how we we try to be, right? And that is another part of the conversation that I'm trying to change with my girls. I'm I so hard intentionally try to out loud lift other women up, not tear them down, not comment on other women's bodies, right? Because they catch on to that. They hear that and that becomes normal. Not comment and critique my own body out loud, right? And even in my head, (laughs) even in my head too. To look at myself in the mirror and to out loud say, I look pretty cute today, you know, and to hear, to have my girls hear me say that. And that might seem so shallow. And that might seem like, Sammy, where's the connect between looking at myself in the mirror and saying, oh, you look cute today and financial literacy? Where, how does that even go together? It does go together. Because when we feel good about ourselves, we feel confident about ourselves. We feel like I'm cute. I'm smart. I'm funny. I'm capable. I'm worthy. All these things. It builds a foundation of confidence that spills over into every other aspect of our life. And when our young girls hear this and they see this exemplified day after day, It's going to be that much easier for them because they're not going to have to ever unlearn some things that we probably as millennials have had to unlearn. I think a lot of us have had to unlearn those toxic body images, those toxic self-talks that we have, those, those toxic words that we hear, those words that say, you're not pretty enough, you're not smart enough, or those words that the first thing that we do when we look in the mirror is say, ugh you're not, you're ugly, you know, or, ugh, you're so dumb. Why did you do that? That should not be our intuitive self-talk. So a lot of us have had to spend the first 20, have just had to spend 20 or 30 years relearning that self-talk. And so my hope for the next generation and the following generations is that they'll never have to waste 20 or 30 years unlearning those habits. They'll simply just have the good ones from the get-go, right? They'll just simply, when they look in the mirror, go, hey, you're pretty cute. Look at you, you know? Or they'll do something smart and they'll just think, so smart. 
And that'll just be their intuitive self-talk. And so that will spill over into, it it translates from my five-year-old being able to do a puzzle by herself and looking looking up at me and saying, Mama, I am so good at puzzles. Aren't I smart? That from a five-year-old translates into a 35-year-old making smart decisions in her career, making smart investment decisions and saying, I'm smart. Of course I can learn about investing. I'm smart. Of course I can ask for a raise. Of course I can go out for that promotion. It, it translates to an 18-year-old woman saying, of course I can go to college. I'm smart. And it all ties in together. And so if you're someone who has had to relearn that self-talk, that's okay. Remember that that is a step. That is a step towards financial literacy. That is a step towards financial success. It's there. Okay. And so having that self-confidence, it all ties in. That's why I say all of this is so much more than just the numbers. Because when you have one win, it'll spill over. Your confidence will build. And then you think, you know what? I can jump onto Vanguard or Fidelity and start checking out investments because you know what? I'm smart. I can figure it out. Even if I don't know, I'll figure it out. Even if I don't know how to set up a budget, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to find someone who can help me. I'm going to Google the answers. I'm going to get online and buy a template. I'm going to find some people to follow on Instagram, right? Because I'm smart. I can figure this out. And it just keeps going and it just keeps building. And that is the foundation of financial feminism. That is the foundation of why women need financial literacy. Because if you've been told your whole life, you're not as, you're dumb. (laughs) You're not as smart as the boy sitting next to you in class. Girls don't need to know about that stuff. Just marry a rich man. You'll be fine. That's toxic, friends. It's toxic and it's not helpful Because what happens when you get to adulthood and you're like, you know what? Maybe I don't want to get married. Oh, damn. Nobody taught me about financial literacy because I was supposed to have a husband by now. Now what do I do? Or what about when you get divorced? What about if you get divorced? Oh, well, he did everything. I don't know how to do any of this. Or what about when you lose your spouse? What about if you become a widow? Then what do you do? Well, I don't know. He's taken care of the money for the last 30 years. I, I don't know how to do any of this. Guys, this is not just for single women. This is not for women who just decide they never want to get married. This is for all of us. What about the women who stay married or currently are married and they're just like hey somebody needs to take control of this financial thing that's going on here that person might be you that was that was our case like we have a very healthy marriage you know but someone had to take control of the money that ended up to be me (laughs) so it was it was put on my plate So it doesn't matter where you are on the spectrum. If you are single, happily married, divorced, if you become a widow, 
whatever whatever spectrum you're on, there is a need for you to know what the heck is going on with your money. Okay? This is something that has been exemplified so many times in my personal life, okay? For me personally, like I had to figure it out because I ended up to be the one who just managed our finances in our household as a woman. With my mother personally, my dad passed away in his 40s. My parents had been married 20 years. My dad did all the budgeting. He did all the money stuff. My mom kind of knew what was going on because, you know, she's a pretty modern woman, right? (laughs) But still, it was his job. It was his job. And that was something that she was like, what do I do? How do I, how, you know, because she expected to stay married the rest of her life. No one plans for their husband to get cancer in his 40s. We don't plan for that kind of stuff. Right? And my mother-in-law divorced same kind of situation she was like I don't know what to do what do I do you know when my husband's parents got divorced his mom had never worked never worked straight out of high school she was like I'm gonna be somebody's wife that's my job so not only did she have to learn all the financial stuff, she had to support her kids. She had to go get a job. She had to figure it all out. You guys, this is terrifying when it comes to the moment when you have to have it and you don't. So I think, hey, let's educate everyone. No matter where you end up on the spectrum, single, married, divorced, widowed, no matter where you are, it's needed for everyone. It's needed for our girls. It's needed for ourselves. It's needed for our grandkids and great-grandkids that aren't even born yet. It is so, so important. And another thing we have to do is support each other on the journey. Instead of tearing other women down in the comments by saying, you're really not that pretty. You're really not that smart. You're so dumb. Why did you do that? That was a stupid financial decision. No, we need to support each other because you know what? We're all on our own journeys and it's really freaking hard. It's hard enough. Without us, tear, with, without us tearing each other down, which is kind of a tangent, but you know, hey, I get, oof, I get heated when I talk about this kind of stuff because this is what I do. I work one-on-one with women. All my clients are women. A few of them will have their husbands sit in here and there, but 99% of the time, face-to-face, just me and a woman who is trying to do what's best for her family. And that looks different for everyone. You know, everyone's family dynamics are set up differently. If your family is just you and your dog or your family is you and your kids, your family is you and your partner and your kids, whatever it looks like, they're all just trying to do what's best for their family. And it's really hard and it's really scary. Really hard and really scary. Another thing that I try really hard to pass along to my clients obviously just the encouragement that it takes because it's really hard and really scary um, is the importance of sharing goals with your partner. And I think sometimes that we tend to put ourselves on the back burner and it doesn't have to be that way. I want you to remember that your financial goals, saving, paying off debt, doing, doing whatever are valid and they deserve a place 
in the budget. I also want you to remember that your spending, your extra money, your fun money deserves a place in the budget as well. I have to push women, mostly moms, who will give their husband or partner fun money. They'll give their kids fun money. And then they're out of spending money and they're like, that's okay. I don't need any. Okay. Maybe you don't every single week. Sure. Get it. It, That's just the way the budget works out. But you better give yourself some next week. Because I know it's small and I know it's silly. But even if it's $10 or $20, you deserve a place in the budget. You are worthy. You're part of the family. Which means that if your partner gets to go out and grab lunch, you should be able to get to go and grab lunch or grab a coffee or grab something random from Target here and there. It doesn't have to be a lot. Like I said, seriously, for me, sometimes my treat for the week is like one thing from the Dollar Tree when I'm picking up other things that I actually need. It's like I grab a $1 puzzle or I throw in like a box of cookies in the groceries and that's my treat. But you know what? I deserve that treat. Even if it's something small. Remember that you are worthy. The things that bring you joy deserve a place in the budget, okay? Another thing that I see women doing is not having life insurance for themselves. And I see this a lot if they are not the main income earner or they don't or, you know, they're the stay at home parent or something. And they're like, well, I don't you know, I don't bring in an income, so I don't need life insurance. Literally, what you're saying is that your life is not valuable enough to insure it. Think about that. And. So what I say to my clients when they say this to me is, well, I don't you know, I don't bring in an income, so I don't really see the point in me having life insurance. What would your what would your husband do if you were to die tomorrow? And sure, he's the main income earner. He can keep going to work. What's he going to do with everything else? Who's going to watch the kids? Who's going to do school pickup? Who's going to keep the house clean? Who's going to plan the meals? Who's going to grocery shop? Who's going to, who's going to, who's going to, all the whole list. And then the client will be like, um, I don't know. Exactly. You'd have to have a babysitter, a nanny. You'd have to have maybe a house cleaner. Maybe your husband would have to cut back on hours at work. If for my case, my husband would probably have to completely change careers. Because what, what would happen with our kids for three weeks at a time? Both of our moms still work. All of our siblings work. There, would, there wouldn't be anybody to pick up the slack for him while he's at work. He would literally have to change careers, come home, have a normal nine to five, And then he would have to arrange, he'd have to put our kids in public school probably because they're homeschooled now. He'd have to arrange for someone to pick them up, watch them. They'd have to go, or they'd have to go to like a daycare or something. All these things. And he's like, that's how we decided for me to get life insurance and for it to be a significant amount of money. Cause he's like, Hey, I'd probably have to completely change careers and I'd have to pay for childcare for the hours that I couldn't watch them. You guys, even if you are not an income earner, 
you still bring value to the family. Please do not forget that. And seriously, life insurance is like two or $300 a year on average. That's about how much mine is. It's not that much money, okay? So please, please, please consider that if, if you don't already have some, okay? All right. Another thing I wanted to talk about was this really, really great post from the Broke Black Girl is her Instagram name. She's also one of the women that I wanted to shout out, which we will get to that part in just a second. She has so many great posts. This one post in particular, she said, I can link to the post specifically as well in the show notes, but she said, divorce is one of the most common ways that causes people, especially women and children, to experience financial hardship. About one in five women fall into poverty as a result of divorce. About one in four women lose their health insurance for a period of time after divorce. About one in three women who own a home and have children at home when they divorce lose their homes. Three out of four divorced mothers with child support orders do not receive their full payment. I've seen this firsthand with my clients. Um, according to one report, women's household income fell by 41% following a divorce or separation after age 40. And then she said, I hear from a lot of women that after divorce, their entire financial life changes. And it's something we have to talk about more. It's not easy to adapt to life on one income instead of two. So the sooner you create a financial plan post-divorce, the better. So obviously, this won't apply to everyone, and I'm definitely not telling you, well, even if you're happily married, prepare for divorce. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that make sure that you have the financial literacy that no matter what happens, you know what's going on. You could take care of yourself. I'm saying that as a happily married woman, because even if it's not divorce, it could be, it could be death. Okay, even not that, even if it's not that, even if nothing goes wrong, no divorce, you both live into your old age, everything's great, even just the, even just the confidence that the knowledge gives you is worth it, okay, even that is worth it. She has so many other great posts that you guys definitely, if you don't follow her, go over and follow her. Another great post that I wanted to make sure to shout out was this post where she says, women in financial abuse. Financial abuse occurs when your partner controls your ability to gain, use, and maintain your money. Seven out of 10 millennial women have had partner, have had a partner use money to control or manipulate them. Another thing I have seen is maybe... Um, the husband keeping money in his own account and he like won't let anyone else use it, won't let the wife use it, won't let it be used for family money. And it's like he's keeping this whole own account, which is totally fine. And I know that a lot of partners like to keep extra spending money. But then why doesn't the woman also have her own? You know, um, I've, I've come across a lot of kind of sketchy situations where I'm like, oh, that's not cool. 
So I just want you to be aware that if that there is a such thing as financial abuse, that it is real and it is a silent weapon. It is rarely acknowledged and when it is one of the most common abuses that women face. Okay, you feel stuck because what would I do if I didn't have that income? I don't know how to manage my money and everything else that comes with that. And I'm not going to get much more into that, but just know that that is a real thing and that if you or someone you know has been experiencing that, to dig into it more, you know, and to take steps to learn what's going on, to become more independent, to become more financially financially literate. Okay, so now I want to switch gears and shout out these 10 specific women. Obviously, I could list 100 women here and there are so many more to follow. If you have any great people to follow, pop over to my Instagram and click and see who I am following and just just go follow some of them because there are so many great, amazing women. So first, number one on my list is Delianne, the money coach. Again, I will link to all of their Instagrams for you in the show notes. Um, but her handle is Deli and the Money Coach. She teaches investors how to slay the stock market. I recently joined her course, Slay the Stock Market. It has been amazing. I've learned so much about investing. I feel so much wiser and savvier when it comes to planning for my retirement. I've switched up some things that we were planning, and I've just learned so, so much from her, and she continues to inspire me. Number two on my list is Tori from her first 100K. And what she does is that she is a financial feminist, basically. She helps women get rich for the sake of fighting the patriarchy and, you know, just educating women specifically. And I love everything that she does as well. Number three on my list is Save My Sense. Shung is amazing. She is one of my personal heroes. I've actually had her on the podcast and one of my favorite interviews. She is insanely amazing. She has been she has been work optional, meaning that she has enough money to retire already since she was in her early 30s, which is crazy to me, a real life millionaire. Um, she recently became a mom and I just love following her as well. She's a sweetheart and as well as insanely smart and she will call people out on their bullshit and I love it. Number four is my bestie V from V Frugal Fox. Um, she is an advocate for financial freedom and mental health. I love how she is not afraid to talk about anything mental health related. She's not afraid to share about her first marriage and all of the toxic things that happened and how she overcame them. And she just continues to inspire me every single day. Number five on my list is Jasmine Tillery. I've also had Jasmine on the podcast. She is amazing. I am her fan club. I tell her this every time I talk to her. I'm head of her fan club. She is the creator of the Black Personal Finance Community. It's at Black PF Community if you want to follow them. And I love everything that she does. Number six on my list is another one of my besties, Allie from Financially Focused. She encourages balance between debt payoff, savings, and spending. She's all about the, hey, you can still have your Starbucks and still do great things with your money. 
she's running a group. I think her group is still open. Maybe it's not. I think it might have just closed. She also has a course about um, budgeting and babies and just all the things that you can do to better your kids' financial life. It's awesome as well. Number seven on my list is The Broke Black Girl, which we just talked about. Amazing, amazing woman to follow. Number eight on my list is Aunt Kara. Aunt Kara educates on travel hacking and smart money moves. I've also had Kara on the podcast and I love how she shares like, I love that her name is Aunt Kara because that's basically what she said in the podcast. She's like, hey, I'm cool with being everyone's financial savvy aunt. And like, I've been there, you know, I've done this. Um, and all of her just experience that she shares is amazing. Number nine on my list is Jackie from Sugar and Money. I've also had Jackie on the podcast. She is just an amazing human. She's just a breath of fresh air. I love following her and love chatting with her. And she shares her debt payoff journey as well as a lot of positive living type stuff. Like I just feel like she has such a positive spin on life. And she shares a lot of her health journey, a lot of just her day-to-day with her daughter, And she's just great and amazing. Number 10 on my list is Sarah from Nerd's Guide to FI. I've also had Sarah on the podcast. Um, Sarah shares about her real estate and her house reno journey. She legit renovates houses by herself. Like she is a total badass, recently single mom. And she also talks about her toxic marriage and just all of the mental health work that she's been doing and just such a great representation of a strong woman. Um, And so if you need someone to follow, if you have also went through a toxic divorce, she would be an amazing, amazing person for you to follow. So that's my list of 10. Um, And that is my little spiel about financial literacy for women Um, I hope that this gives you some great resources, some great, amazing women to follow. I hope that this has given you some things to think about as you try to grow on your own financial journey. And I just want to encourage you that, like I said earlier, you are smart and beautiful and wonderful and worthy of all of your hopes and your desires. Don't let anyone tell you any differently. Okay. That is all for me today. I will talk to you guys next time. Bye guys. Thanks for hanging out for another episode of a Sunny Side Up Life podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend because you never know who needs to hear this message. If you haven't already, please leave a review and subscribe. Reviews and subscribers are what help the podcast grow and what help new ladies find our community. And again, thanks for hitting play on this episode and for investing some time in yourself today. Remember that I'm always here to support you and I'm always cheering you on along the way. Don't forget that everything that we mentioned in this episode will be linked in the show notes. All right, that's all for me this week. Bye guys.